0: Welcome to Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness with your hosts, Chris Noble and Bill Protzman. On this podcast, Chris and I offer a spontaneous, ongoing conversation about how music is intertwined with healing and consciousness. Our first season helped lay the foundation and build some of the superstructure for what we want to do here in Season 2, where we'll be welcoming some intriguing guests going deeper into ancient mysteries and wisdom, and cultivating your background knowledge and curiosity. We hope these discussions will inspire your own study and practice of the musical and healing arts, and that your contribution to advancing world consciousness will be satisfying for you and transformative to those around you. Let's get started. So I was talking with this guy, who shall remain nameless, but um, he asked me an interesting question when I said, you know, the effects of music happen whether you hear it in your ears, like vibrational eardrums, or whether you remember it. And we got to talking about that, and he initially said, no way, Bill. Remember that old Bose commercial of the guy in the Barca lounger being blown away by the sound pressure coming at him, right? And I know we've all been in the room where, you know, I went to hear Owl City or something, and the the sound was so huge that my internal organs were jumping around, right? So I, that's not what I mean. <laughs> what, what I mean is like the internal, the physiology, the internal physiology of, of the stuff, uh, whether it's a frequency or a symphony or whatever. Well, so where was I going with this? Um, I've been wondering recently, Chris, if we could have some way of measuring the, the internal response to music that we remember And I don't know if that's possible in fMRI or not. I mean, I'm just curious if there's a way to measure that.
1: Wasn't there that musician slash doctor, I'm totally going to blank on his name. I think he's a fellow Canadian guy who did some experiments on
0: uh, sting and his brain. Oh, uh, would that be, this is your brain on music, Daniel Leviton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've forgotten. I read the book, but it's gone like it was years ago. So remind me.
1: Well, I also don't quite fully remember that study but i do remember that that when you said cat scan and mri i mean that's exactly what they did with sting's brain they tried to get sting to improvise um something vocally while under the the cat scan mri and other different things i can't remember which one but either way they're measuring the brain and what it does when you're improvising and writing versus singing something you've already written yeah but singing something that makes you feel a certain way. And it it, it was interesting what the results were, which I, I don't remember. This was a study done done a long, long time ago. Uh, audience, if you guys remember, um, let us know in the comments. But essentially, that's the only time I've really heard of someone going into what does your brain look like when it is you know, experiencing music slash creating some form of music. Oh, like and- so
0: in the creative process, it was like you could watch him thinking, essentially.
1: Yeah, which was yeah, pretty yeah. cool. And so, yeah, you're definitely looking at the like the right brain creativity when when improvising something. Um, but to measure, you know, that next level of impact with music, does it even reside in the brain? You know, would, would that be the place
0: to? Well, yeah, that, that's where I was. I mean, you know, I kind of went there with this guy a little bit because I wanted to see what he would say. And um, I think you're onto something. if it were me and I had the right equipment for this, I'd be measuring consciousness. You know, I'd want to know, and and not so much localized, is it the head, is it the heart, is it the gut? I'd want to know like how a person remembering music experiences that music. And I know physiologically, you know, like they can look at brain chemistry and stuff for that, but I think there's something more. I want to know, you know, the moreness of it. How would we get to that? and and consciousness which you know can't be really measured or or monitored or, or visualized or anything like that is i suppose i mean if we had the Dalai Lama remember happy birthday i would suspect his consciousness scan would be different than if you or me remembered happy birthday
1: right right and that goes into the whole individual you know aspect of life reality and of course the subjective nature of music and art you know right um, it feels- Differently for everyone, but I mean that goes for even you know I've been diving into like ideas recently of what well, what is even truth you know our our podcast we did last our episode before this one with our guest Maury definitely got me thinking a lot about you know this idea of seeking even seeking truth and understanding and knowledge through something like science it's always changing and that's the thing we got to remember. And remind ourselves i have to remind myself certainly this idea of even truth is subjective you know and it is totally based on the individual and what the individual wants to find as a truth and and we even have that something like like i'm i know i have a bias of like i'm looking for reasons that binaural beats do work
0: yes well of course right we want us we want to support our beliefs yeah or like scientists we want to test our, our hypothesis
1: right But how far can we, how far can science even go um, versus us just, we were, I think we said this before we started recording where, you know, we can be told scientifically that binaural beats don't work. However, we know they do based on experience and also just a feeling like there's just something in me and maybe that's even more into the 432 Hertz side of things, but there's a feeling within me that just says, I know this works. Yeah, so yeah. They, you know, like we're also I guess it's like I want to measure these things too. And where where do we go? Where's the balance between um needing to prove it, measure it, showcase that it does totally work versus just embodying the fact of like, well, I know it works and I'm just gonna go with that. And I know there's a balance because both are important.
0: So I have a mind-blowing question that I've been trying to ask myself. I'll ask you. All right. Let's say I'm Uh, I'm listening to Beethoven play the Moonlight Sonata back in the day, right? In a room with 40 other people and Beethoven's at the piano. And he can't hear what he's playing. But he knows the music. It's in his head. And all of us are hearing it, the same music that he knows. And all of us are interpreting it in our own individual way. And then we all go home. And we remember what we heard. Do we remember it in the same tuning reference frequency in which it was played, or does that matter? That's a
1: really good question. I'm gonna go and say that it almost doesn't matter, only because is it's maybe it's more important the what the memory does for you versus the specific frequency that you're remembering if that makes sense like the feeling of that experience might be more important than the details of the experience whether it was music of 432 hertz versus 440 versus if they threw some binaural beats into that situation versus not um even though i'm literally someone who writes and composes these things because i do believe that they help and they do work i'm also acknowledging that I'm just thinking about that situation. You see a a genius like Beethoven in real life. Are you experiencing something a bit more than what we can measure as a particular frequency or a binary? That's why I was asking, right? Because the energy of
0: the extra energy, the non-perceptible,
1: right? Will we ever be able to measure that spiritual consciousness, component of what happens when you witness someone like a Beethoven in real life in their genius you know I, I've had many music moments in my my own life not seeing a Beethoven but certainly seeing my own equivalents of that in in real life and being left just oh, yeah. and I
0: suggest know, you know people that watched the Tennyson King that watched you had that experience, right? Sure. You are an infinite expandable part of that memory and that music that was offered, which um, I guess maybe what we're going to hear is that the music itself, the stuff that we all labor and put our love into and compose and and construct and deliver, maybe that's just a way of being able to leave a, a signature in the memories of the listeners that they can look back on later and grab onto. And it's not necessary that they grab it exactly the way that we played it or performed it or wanted it to be, you know, but they grabbed enough of it to give them that experience when they look back later and say, oh, man, I got to hear Beethoven last night, right? Or Taylor Swift or Chris, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it That's, I mean, this is just like, it's a great question because it opens up this whole reality of uh you know what our experiences are and what what is what's really happening when we experience something that we would consider magical or sp- spiritual or uh, very special where you're less
0: significant yeah
1: for the rest of your life and you I'm know.
0: totally good with the subjective nature of that yeah you know because what I want for my music when you hear it might be something totally different than what you got and how wonderful that was hmm right and 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 what I want means nothing in the in the ultimate big picture of it all right
1: yeah especially with something like music right once it's out there it's out there and you can't do anything about that yeah it's going to be interpreted the way it's going to be interpreted and as an artist it's such a practice of letting go um that we all you know <laughs> struggle with certainly uh, especially uh, the artists typically are the kinds of people that you know want something to be conveyed in a very particular way and received in a very particular way, but uh, we all, not know. Me.
0: I gave up on that a long time ago, man, I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of more
1: successful artists have done that. And yeah. I think that's, that's a big part of the, the, the whole uh, artist's journey is to get to that it's point really, of being able to let go of that and, and, and relinquish the perfectionism and the, yeah. this is how it's supposed to be, you know, and this goes for anything, this goes for inventions
0: and, um, yeah, and, anything you know, I say that with great respect because classical piano, classical musicians in general, uh, are all about reproducing the, the you know, the, the genuine artifact. Yeah. I get that. And um, that's such a noble endeavor, right? It's so incredibly honorable, but even then, people are going to hear it how they're going to hear it. Yeah. Look at, read any, you know, criticism and you'll see that it did or didn't work. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw of all these four seasons like two years ago for, the second time and just absolutely adored it in a new way and it's not at all the way I I would experienced it when Vivaldi himself was you know performing it with his right on the violin and all that like it's just always going to be different even when it's done verbatim 100 200 300 years later it's still going to be different right
0: And, and that's cool I, I, at least I think it's cool. I don't know. There may be people, there may be tourists that disagree with me. And then that's fine because we need, you know, everyone's current understanding is welcome. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, we talk about placebo effects and all of that. I don't know. Is it a placebo effect or is it just instantly customized to however I need it in that moment?
1: That's the ineffable side of music, right? Yeah. It's just, I mean, even with movies or things like that, like, depending on where I am at in this particular present moment, I will receive a story very differently than the day before, even, or the the day after. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where are you finding me right here, right now? Is this exactly what I need to see or hear, you know, in this moment? And in that moment, you could be going through something so specific where that same piece of music will make you feel all these things towards uh, your grandmother, as an example, because there's something she's experiencing right in that moment you're hearing it. And then next week you could feel the same, but same emotions, but then completely transferred to an ex-girlfriend or a business partner, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's like, whatever you as an individual are moving through is really going to dictate what you're feeling and how you experience something as well. There's, it's an infinite cocktail and recipe every single time for every single person which is why it's this like infinite individual experience
0: (laughs) and it's um so i a pastor friend of mine likes to say that when you encounter paradox you're in the presence of spirituality right (laughs) that's good right and so in the paradox of two of us hearing the moonlight sonata you know with beethoven playing it and then going home and then getting together the next day and talking about it we might have different perceptions they might be opposite perceptions, um, but the opposite perceptions themselves might be the spiritual invitation. And without having heard it two different ways, we wouldn't share that moment, right? And be able to explore what consciously, what our what you know how our conscious and meters were measuring. Uh, as we were listening to a play, right? I mean, this is all so totally hypothetical, but there aren't ways of explaining it, you know, uh, yet. Well, I'll throw
1: another mind bender one at you then. So what? It, what about the idea of time only truly existing, if it even does at all in the third dimension, as we go into higher dimensions of reality, time ceases to be linear and exists, therefore there's no past and there's no future, it's only the present. So when you've written a piece of music and you perform that music you also in a way have to understand that it is going to mesh with all time you know all at once and in a way you know that what Beethoven wrote and how it affects us in the present time in a weird sense he's he created in that present moment in a sense like an infinite ripple effect throughout time and space as we do with every creation and every every possible action we ever take. So that's a whole other, I mean, I don't know where your brain goes with that one, but if there's no past or, or future, only the present,
0: where does that take
1: music and the experience of that, right?
0: So my, um, you teed this up perfectly, because I have been thinking about that very thing. Ishtak Bentoff, who wrote a book called Stalking the Wild Pendulum back in the 70s, I think, citizen scientist he anticipated quantum physics and some other things talks about how the pendulum swings and you know if you've been to the like the, the natural history museum where they have the the um the foucault pendulum that's swinging very slowly and it spins you know and you can see it knocking little pegs down as the earth turns so um his postulate about that uh should we call it a theory his theory sure was that as the pendulum approaches its apex, is that the right word for it? The end of the swing. Um, It slows down. And as it slows down, it slows down, it slows down, it's getting ready to go the other direction, right? It slows down and eventually it will stop. And in the moment where it stops and changes direction, time disappears or time expands. You can choose either one. Time expands to infinity at that moment of the pendulum's not moving which is an infinitesimally small moment, but it does exist. We can postulate that it does exist. So in that moment of rest, time expands to infinity. There is no time. And also in that moment, there is no space, because if you need to be able to cross from here to there, in the 3D world, it takes time. A vibration takes some time they're measured over time right but if time is gone you can't have vibration <laughs> you can have energy you can have potential but you can't have um you can't have time
1: <laughs> and i guess music because music literally is time
0: right yeah because music happens so here i think is the answer to your question if something like the moonlight sonata is a consciousness tool then it doesn't exist in time However, to transmit that tool from Beethoven to us takes a certain amount of time. But once we have it, time is no longer required. And we can say this with some level of certainty, because to have the physical effect in 3D of the Moonlight Sonata, all one has to to do is remember the first note. And the physical effect, bang, is completely there with no time at all in that moment. Now that could be called quantum entanglement with Beethoven, I don't know, you could, there's names for that. But um, I think Bentov's perception on this was accurate, because what music ought to do, Mozart said, was music ought to prepare us for silence. And let's say that in that silence, time also expands to infinity and all movement stops. And if that's the doorway to 5D consciousness, yeah, i'm in you know sounds like it. fun <laughs> right <laughs> so i mean uh, time is necessary to communicate in 3d but it's not necessarily a component of uh of quantum gravity or whatever we're going to call the new thing right yeah music is necessary vibration is necessary to communicate in 3d but to realize the effects of it takes no time
1: yeah. And and then you've got like you said quantum entanglement which eliminates the necessity for time and everything. Or the inclined.
0: strata for the communication to take place. That goes away yeah. too.
1: Yeah. But you can st- I I I wonder what music would be like in these higher dimensions. I feel like it still exists. I've
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Just it must be in a timeless non-instant how does that work <laughs> right it's like a d uh,
1: brains can't figure,
0: can't figure that one out it's it's better than the matrix you don't even have to wait for the download right it's right it's that. just you're already there, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool I wonder how what it's like to create in that space
1: well, I guess creation just takes on a whole new definition or leads to a whole new um, manifestation uh, you know of,
0: of yeah like, there's a better word creation implies it. a time scale manifestation it's instant well, the
1: English language in general is very, very time-based. When you think about it, every yeah, we are bound by it. word and yeah, construct of the English language specifically has to do with very material, time-based reality. Yeah. Um, so the the thing is, is we won't have those words because they just aren't designed in our language. Um, as we ascend, as our consciousness ascends, as our vibration collectively increases, we're gonna have to um you know really adapt our language or f- full on invent new languages that or or actually probably re- re-examine some older ones that were on that that vibe that that wavelength um, that that describe time in a very different sense in a higher dimensional sense that describe all these things in a in a very diff- different dimensional sense because this whole podcast is just going to be is in a way a big paradoxical loop because our language is so limited to discuss these. We're talking about higher dimensional ways of perceiving music and creation and all this. How the English language literally constantly hits a, a wall, yeah, because, because it's materialism, third dimensional base, right, yeah. time
0: base. Yeah, so and, you know, part of the part of the beauty of music is that it doesn't prove us in 3D. Yeah. You know, and and these frequencies, the monofrequency we've talked about and different things, they do improve us in three D, and that's great, you know. But the whole the the warp and woof, I think, is the right term for it. But you know, the the weave that we're in is uh, doesn't translate. However, there is something out there, you know, that we can imagine that it is translated backward from this is where quantum gravity blows my mind. You know, they can look back on 3D from a different place and say, oh, well, 3D is a hologram of that. You know, the real thing is this. And, you know, by the process of uh, reduction, <laughs> finding the cube root of that other thing, we can arrive at what we are in 3D. Um, that's kind of an oversimplified mathematical... And even that's not that simple. <laughs> yeah, it's not, but, you know, think about it for a second. So... Um, yeah. You know, and I'm satisfied. I mean, I'm really happy to be working here in 3D right now. I would like to improve consciousness. Uh, there's certain things I'd prefer to not have to feel. But I'm con- I'm as convinced as I ever have been that we can't think our way into this. We really do have to feel our way into it. And as facilitators of the feelings, you and me have this sort of awesome burden of offering the best ride we can to people who are ready for our music.
1: Yeah. And I totally agree, Bill. It's, um, I mean, it's a great, it's a privilege and it's a, it's an honor to be on this, on this journey, of course. And and it's so much fun. Really. Sometimes
0: Um, it just feels like a, uh, you know, a slow motion train wreck. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also that too. Yeah. Right. But, it's know, still a our,
0: paradox, right?
1: <laughs> as artists, we
0: love to suffer. So it's just, our, uh, it's in our nature. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about this thing that's, um, oh, I interrupted you. Why don't you finish your thought? Dude, sorry about that. You know what? It's it's all good.
1: Uh, it, it has left my brain. So, it, oh, actually, no, sorry. That was what it was all about was our brain versus, um, so I've been, I've been um, re- examining i go i go in waves with human design for uh, our audience if you don't know what human design is it's um it's a really interesting way at well what it sounds like is how how are we made up how are we designed how do we function it's a really beautiful practical way of looking at um the spiritual sort of energetic components of how we're all individually made up so yeah, it was cool
0: i, I looked at that like uber personality stuff
1: yeah i i I really personally and it's like within all these things they're going to resonate differently with with everyone for me human design is just i've been i found it a eerily accurate way of looking at how i operate uh, as a as a human being and it just takes your birthday which sounds like an astrology chart but it's it's it combines astrology with the i ching and quantum physics and a whole bunch of other stuff It's, it's really amazing so anyway i've been going back into that especially over this weekend and I've been looking into uh, these these very deep aspects of my chart and they, they talk about um, how, you know, really with all of the ways that you are with hum, human design, one of the most important things is to learn how to listen to your emotions and your emotions truly are that GPS that dictate, what do you want, where do you want to go? You don't need to know necessarily what that even looks like as a destination, but you know, based on your feelings and your emotions um, at all times, what is the best direction? What is the most in, in high alignment for you essentially? Uh, and, and so we, you were talking about this whole, like everything we're talking about in a way can't be fully understood by our brain. And I think that's what human design is reminding me of right now is that it shouldn't be our brain leading. Actually, it should be our emotions leading. Our emotions are so important and we're emotional beings for a reason. We need our emotions. And, and if anything, not just our emotions, but feeling in general, is a lot of the time going to be the information and the indicators and the let's say like the signposts for where we should be going in our lives and these are these are um intuitive hits or downloads or pieces of information given to us by you know the the your higher consciousness or the universe whatever you you really want to call that and ironically or interestingly it really comes down to how we feel about everything in our life, and then and then using our brain to 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 take that information and do what we want with it. But if we're going to be making decisions and and guiding ourselves through this life, it's ironically it's all about our feeling. It's kind of the opposite way we've been taught. It's all about how we feel, because our brain is only going to process what happened in the past exactly. You know, this is this is right up Hawkins um, his alley. This is this is why I'm thinking about this probably is because he brought up him and and this idea of how we think, 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 think through everything, it's really gotta be the, it's gotta be flipped. It really it's needs to be, be flipped. flipped.
0: It's a real you no know? brainer.
1: It is a no brainer. It's gotta get that brain not out of there, but reevaluate how we work with it. And yeah, the you, more I- Use it for I what
0: it's good good at, right?
1: Exactly. It's a computer processor. It processes information. It, it It uses logic. It uses all these things. But if you wanna move forward in your life at any standpoint, you got to not use your brain to do that because the brain is only going to give you information based off of past experiences. So that does not create a very conducive environment for new things yeah. and Unless for innovation. A hundred percent. You're taking you know, risks yeah. constantly.
0: Yeah. I, and, and, and sticking your hand in a lot of fires. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying here. There's, um, one of the things that's really difficult about the brain is that it wants stuff. And we like to say that our levels of consciousness improve based upon what we want, <laughs> right? And and I kind of get that, you know, because we all want to be safe, right? There are certain desires we have that are about survival, and, and that's great. But it, at, at some point, it tops out. And once you are safe and you have a job and, you know, you have the McMansion and all the toys, what do you want next? Right? And... um What's the Buddhist concept about attachment attachment is the root of all suffering
1: yeah that's why they get rid of all their stuff <laughs> yeah which is yeah
0: and and you know that's not really too new because that's what Jesus told the guy who wanted to follow him too it's like go sell everything and follow me and he couldn't do it he could he didn't get it but it, he wasn't telling him to sell everything he was telling him metaphorically to lose your attachment right to stuff or to whatever it is that's holding you back and and a lot of us are very attached. Me too. I am very attached to what's going on up here. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of it that makes a lot of sense to me. (laughs) You know, and it's not so easy to stop. On the other hand, when paradox comes along, or as Maury would say, you know, when my current understanding changes, uh, it kind of rocks me. And it can be scary. But I'm learning more and more that, the attachment to what I think is perhaps where the work takes place, right? I can have desires. I mean, I can have a desire for enlightenment, right? Who wouldn't want that? Uh, pretty decent desire. I don't know if it's going to happen. So, you know, downscale a little bit, have a desire for something that's a little bit more achievable, Bill, <laughs> right? There's the there's the pattern match here at work. It's like, dude, you're going to get enlightenment, but, you know, maybe not tomorrow. So why don't we focus on this? <laughs> you know, get a little bit more down to earth. That's fine. I'm good with that. Uh brain does a good job at that. But if the brain is holding me back, that's a problem for me. Because I feel something is possible that the brain says is impossible means that I'm in the paradox right at that moment. Like that spirituality knocking on the door, dude.
1: Yeah, I mean that that for me is where I'm I'm currently at is this coming into an understanding and an acceptance of this brain you could call it brain heart coherence or brain body yeah, well, well said yeah you know, brain body coherence maybe even more broadly um brain intuition coherence intuition being not coming from the brain not a logical thought but a a feeling of, you know that knowing perhaps of i just know i'm meant to quit this job and 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 start something that's just truer to my soul, my soul and to who I am. Brain goes, are you insane? Are you crazy? Do you know how much risk is involved? Do you know how much potentially you could lose? Do you realize this, that, and that, and this, and this, and that? And that's what the brain does so well. And it's great for that when we can use it you know, sparingly. Otherwise, it's all it's gonna do is give you the reasons not to do something. And um, And then the flip side is if you go full decisions with no brain that also can lead to sticky situations as well. And I've learned that as well, where I go full intuition with no logic and no brain and and that doesn't work either. You need to find your your balance and everyone's got their own balance and every situation probably has its own balance, too. But yeah, I mean, it's it's so interesting. <laughs> this like this constant um, I feel like for me, reprogramming of uh, using my brain, but just almost relearning how to use it and where to not perhaps use it and allow these thoughts and these intuitions and these downloads to uh, be a a stronger guiding force in in the decisions we make and the path that we take in our life. At least I'm trying. Work Um, in progress.
0: I'm with you. You know, um, I'm reading Hawkins again. Friend sent me the book and I love that he says, we spend so much of our time like inventing thoughts that are based on feelings. And if we stopped doing that, we could open our pattern matchers to other kinds of things. They like release their power to do other stuff. And I know all of us do this. I'm like, I, I hold on to feelings. And his point is, if you can transform the feeling, then you release the pattern matcher from having to think about it. So, I mean, I've got historical feelings, you know, the day way back. And to be able to process those, which I do with music, it helps me to release them a little bit at a time and free up the pattern matcher. And it's not cognitive behavioral therapy. It's not uh, immersion therapy, any kind of thing. Although those are ways that it does work, uh, I think in the in the clinical world. But uh, Hawkins says it's easier. You just got to get into those emotions and uh, and release them. You know, not paper them over, not stuff them, but release them. And to do that, you got to know what they are in the first place. <laughs> See how many uh, emotions did Brene Brown find? We all know, like three. And now she's got an atlas of 87. So you've got to find them, first of all, and identify them clearly. and Then you know what you've got and you can start releasing them and, and releasing the, um, the accumulation of thought that goes with them and, and bogs you down when you're stuck in your head, as we like to say.
1: Yeah, you know, I think another exercise that's really helpful is also writing down, like, what do you even want? You know, what do oh, you... Oh, absolutely.
0: Like we did that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your, what's your desire?
1: What are your desires? They're changing all the time and that's Okay. It's why it's important, though, to get, you know, relatively clear on them. I mean, different people will bring things into reality differently. And that's definitely a a thing for sure. It's why human design is so helpful, because it helps you realize what type of person you are and in what way sort of best suits your disposition to bring things into reality or to manifest things. And that is a that's helpful to know how, you know, how do you do that best? But ultimately, we're all kind of on that path of uh, Sure, we can we can figure out how we want to manifest. But what do we even want to manifest? You know, what do we even want to bring into this reality? A lot of the time, we sure we usually know better what we don't want than we even what we do want. We think we know what we want until we really get into it. I mean, I'm experiencing this. I experience this all the time. Even just recently, today, this morning, I'm doing yet another exercise of writing down what I'm looking for right now, what I want to bring into my life. And I I look back at older notes. I'm like, it's always changing, always, always. Sure. Good to get in touch with that, you know, and just be more on the current pulse of where you're at with what you want because I don't think I checked that pulse enough. And that's what I'm realizing right now is something- Yeah, oh, I see what you mean, yeah. I wanna check that pulse more often.
0: Definitely. The pendulum will swing, you know, and the next time it it's it shifted, maybe radically, maybe sometimes yeah. it, it shifts radically, which I think I would appreciate. Yeah, You know, these little tiny incremental improvements are fine, but... <laughs>
1: nice to have some big fun surprises you know yeah it would be
0: wouldn't it though and i yeah. suppose that you know even now as I'm saying this um that big stuff's on its way
1: well as the as i'm reminded that the universe can create anything and it doesn't really matter what big small it's like it doesn't matter if it's creating a penny on the on the sidewalk or a mcmansion it's all the same it's creation it's kind of just one or 0 It's it's there it's not and it's really our own minds our brains that are the one limiting what we bring in which is always the the infuriating part of this journey is <laughs> we're telling manifests.
0: ourselves it's impossible and well so
1: it is. i know and and the, the the most challenging i would say for me personally is it really is all about believing before be, believe before believing before you're seeing but we're brought up yet again. We're brought up in this way of no, no, no. I need to see it to believe it, and that's the hilarious irony with manifestation is it's all about believing it before you see it. And I'm still on a journey of what that even looks like, sounds like, and and is in action. Uh, because when you when when I'm trying to bring certain things in, I I I don't believe it. You know, there's certain things I don't believe. So how do I um get through that? Well, I that, you know, that's what I'm working on. Sometimes
0: it takes work. I mean, sometimes the song appears full and complete bang right there and you can write it all down. And sometimes it takes like agony.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's, and that's also a part of like, we won't really know this until literally our life has expired and we're looking down at our life review in another dimension and we go, oh yeah, that's, that's why it took me, you know, 35 years to figure out that one, you know, Yeah. It's we don't know what everything truly is happening for us, not to us. Even the quote-unquote negative, because um, that's how we're. If we're not given that contrast and these challenges, we can't evolve. We we literally have to have these things happen in order to evolve. If there's no struggle or no impotence or no challenge you know it's there's literally nothing that can then push you forward to get to that next level of evolution so
0: so you, you brought up the whole idea of uh, negative and positive and i i've been thinking about that too negative and positive emotions things like that i'm just wondering for anyone who's listening where the negative point is in a sound wave and where the positive point is in a sound wave because like, you're thinking about the pendulum is the negative point you know, where's the negative? It's like the entire arc is necessary. And yet we get all judgmental about it. We even call the bottom of the sound wave the trough. It <laughs> doesn't sound as positive. You know? Right, it doesn't, right? And and that's our language limiting us again. I know. And um
1: And putting an opinion, yeah, on, sorry, an opinion on there. On an objective or a subjective thing.
0: Like the 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 low frequency vibrations oh your, your vibration is so low well damn it I play the drums this is <laughs> this is the vibration I have <laughs> I'm a bass player what do you I'm want I'm a bass player I mean we, this is necessary we need all the frequencies you know tune them however you like but we need them all so stop judging me for playing low frequencies dude or whoever you are that thinks you know that low frequencies aren't great and you know I get, I get base. it. I get it I get it like you know but <laughs> have you ever stood next to one of those big concert speakers with the kick drum that's amplified and, and felt like yourself just compress? It's that's awesome. pretty low frequency stuff, you know, and it's happening. I don't know how many times a second, maybe twice a second. If it's fast, a little less, if it's slow, that's pretty low frequency two cycles per second, two Hertz. Yeah. And, um, and we love that stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my God, you know like I mean talk think about it in, in movies some of the best villains you've seen in a movie. Oh man, you know? yeah. like they make the movie so good yeah because there's such a better opponent to the hero and it just makes the drama so much more exciting. Yeah. and ultimately it makes the victory for the hero in the end mm, juicier and just more fulfilling. and yeah, you, 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 and there's like there's so much about our our quote unquote darkness or shadow. Um, even that word, think about shadow versus the light, you know, we're supposed to have all this light and being beings yeah, of light, yeah. which great. And, you know, I'm, I don't not resonate with that. I, I do. And, you know, if it's really hot out in the desert where I'll be soon in the Sahara and freaking Egypt, guess where, guess where you're seeking refuge all day? The shade, shadow, the yep, shadow. Yep. yep. The shadow isn't inherently yet again, a bad thing, but language opinion human you know um opinion and and construct of what something's supposed to mean regardless of what it actually is it's just it's just such a we're such a a polarizing you know categorization type of being that just has to understand everything and has to put everything into a box and has to just like it's either this side or it's that side you're like how about it just is
0: yeah yeah (laughs) and you know I'd, i'd rather feel good And you know obviously there are there are emotions and states and consciousness is you know all over the place but there are better states of consciousness you know that i'd rather participate in let's face it i would choose given the continuum until we all reach a place where all the consciousness is universal i prefer to be on the you know the happier side of stuff i'll dip my toe in and i'll do shadow work and stuff like that but you know i if, if if the way, if the obstacle is the way, bring on the obstacle, man. I'm not going to sit here and bemoan all the obstacles around me from, you know, the McMansion in which I've got all my toys stashed. That, for me, would not be consciousness, mm-hmm. right? But I will go on the journey, and it's, it might hurt. But bring it on, because, you know, I'm not willing to sit still, I guess is the thing. I'm not going to sit there. You know, well, the pendulum, for example, can't sit there. The pendulum is not ever going to stop going the other direction you know it'll get to an infinite potential and then it'll reverse course and um you know re- so let's reverse course frequently
1: <laughs> yeah right
0: <laughs> like you're doing right you get to that place you're like i better to revisit everything
1: yeah and that's emotions usually dictate that for me you know i didn't truly yes If I felt absolutely amazing all weekend, it wouldn't have put me into this place of like re-downloading my human design app and diving in for answers, um, creating a lot of silence and space to just um, kind of be in my own energy and thoughts for the first time this whole summer and just have some of that time to contemplate and to kind of think about what my next move is. None of that would have come if I was feeling completely, utterly joyous all weekend. I don't think I would have gotten to that at all. You know what I mean? So it's like even in did I feel great over the weekend? No, I was feeling a whole mixture of emotions. But then they led me to do some things that are really good for myself. So once yeah. again, you know, it's just it's just a constant um, journey, really. And I'm and I'm really trying to throw that judgment of is this good or bad or you know is this yeah, a negative yeah. or positive? I'm like it just is. Okay. I'm gonna honor it. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and there's some pretty cool things that you can find, you know, on the way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you can have an amazing experience while simultaneously feeling every emotion on the on in the in the book.
0: Oh yeah, Well, simultaneously like you know, feeling like uh, Frodo, trying to get the ring to the mountain, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Great
0: analogy. <laughs> well, thank you, J.R.R., whatever J-R-R. your first names were.
1: Yeah, all three of them. Well, it's it's amazing stuff, and you know. I'd love to hear from the audience. It's a pretty philosophical uh, conversation today. They, they, they always get philosophical, but, you know, this one, I feel like a little extra so. And uh, we, we're, we dove last episode into so much amazing information, thanks to Maury. I think it's nice to kind of contrast this with a more inner um, consciousness, yeah, you know, philosophical... Uh, episode today. So that, that was great questions, Bill. Thanks for stimulating my, uh, my brain and my emotions.
0: <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> helping me to think them through as always. It's really great to, you know, to, to resonate with this process, see what comes yeah. from it.
1: That's why I love doing podcasts. It's like my own talk therapy.
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. And Hey, we're glad you're listening. So if you're out there listening to this stuff, uh, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Let us know in the comments, uh, what you're feeling, But all the things we're talking about today and, um, you know, how do you like to navigate this, this reality? Um, How do you like to navigate your emotions? How do you like to use music and sound in all of these areas? You know, when I had my moments of um, quiet, I did actually go full quiet, no music, no sound, no nothing. And then after a moment or a phase of that, then I like to move into some sound and some music. And I'm picking that all very, very specifically, and I'm not thinking too hard about it. I'm feeling that especially with music. Thank God I've been programmed from a young age to at least not have to think my way through that. I always just what am I feeling? What am I feeling? Um, Spanish guitar? Great. You know, but let us know in the comments, you know, how do you like to integrate music into those self care days, those those days of um, trying to find the answers or the clarity that you need to move forward in your life? Do you and if you do, how do you use music and sound? in those moments cuz i'm sure it's all individual and love to hear from you what that looks and sounds like
0: yes and we'll give you a free gift for doing so more podcasts like this one hey <laughs> there's a <your> free gift
1: <laughs> well you know it it does take uh, us time and energy to produce these things and we love doing it but um you know it's 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 definitely nice when uh, we get to even get the small things like a like and a subscribe and a comment so please feel free to show your love and that and appreciation in that way um you beautiful audience and uh we will continue to produce this because we love to but we also do it because we know it has a resonating factor on you so just let us know give us a little feedback loop in any way you can and uh, we will of course look forward to seeing you in the next episode of discussions of music healing and consciousness so thanks for joining us and bill always such a pleasure thank you so much for uh, the chat today
0: Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure, man. Aho.
1: Aho.